since people do people things, we're going to have to develop our love grace. How many of you know I might do a people thing sometime today and you're going to have to love me? Sometime this week, one of you will do a people thing and I will need to love you. Hmm? Love grace. here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in, and I trust as always that the Lord's just going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to jump into a brand new teaching tonight. It seems like we do that about every other week. This particular teaching is very timely. It deals with the issue of self. Watch this, self-centeredness which is not a good quality, but we see a lot of that going on in our world today, and certainly we see that going on even within the church. Now listen, I'm not one of those guys that's here to beat up the church. The church was established by God. The church is not a good idea. It's a God idea. Terry didn't invent the church. I'm part of the church. I'm not here to beat up the church. I'm here to encourage and challenge the church. And by the church, I mean the called out ones, the ecclesia, those who have been born again, spirit-filled, and they're chasing after the things of God. Now, as stated at the outset of the program, we're people, and people do people things. People can also correct inappropriate behavior. And as we read and study the Word of God, and we put this Word of God not only over our lives, but into our lives, we begin to realize on occasion that we need to do things differently. Here's one of the different areas. We no longer pursue self, but we pursue the things of God. We not only pursue and promote self, but we pursue and promote others and encourage them to be about the things of God. Doesn't that sound great? It's totally opposite of what the world is portraying and promoting in your midst today. And when you've got all of these people who are on the broad road doing this one thing, it makes it look very attractive. But that's not what we're called to pursue. We're going to talk about this and a lot more as we get into some spiritual gift issues and then look into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in particular which is strategically placed uh, between chapter 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians, which deals with spiritual gifts. I trust this is going to bring some balance to it for you. That's my purpose. Our text passage is 1 Corinthians 13, but I want to go to another verse that we're going to get into here very shortly. It's found in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, all oh, the latter part of verse 5. And the record puts it this way. God's love, look at this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow. God's love has been poured out. You're going to see this very shortly. That's why we've got that big tub sitting on the stage. 
God's love has been poured out by Holy Spirit. There's a lot going on in this verse. There's a lot going on in this teaching. I trust you'll be challenged by it. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's listening to this telecast right now. And I pray in the power of the Spirit, by your word, you would speak to us, challenge us. Lord, bring us up to your level. Help us to know and understand we are to worship you. And as we do, it will enable us to challenge and encourage and help others to be about your business. We pray, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Hey, don't go off uh, or don't go running off after I say amen here in just a few moments. I'm going to be back at the conclusion of the program. We'll tell you a couple of things going on here at New Life and try to make some sense out of all of this for you or make application as the case might be. God bless. believe that this is one of the most enlightening passages to be found in all of the New Testament, tucked kind of neatly between the two battleground chapters, or what I'm going to refer to as the two battleground chapters, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. Now, in case you're unfamiliar with the context of chapter 13, let me set it up for you. Are you ready for this? You ready to be set up? Here we go. The early believers that were living in and traversing in and out of ancient Corinth were obviously more than confused about this very issue of spiritual gifts. Now, if you go back to chapter 12 and verse 1, the New International Version says this. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, talking to the church, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, they were ignorant. He didn't want them to remain that way. Their dilemma way back then was not unlike our own in many respects. Now, catch this. It seems that every subsequent generation, generation after generation after generation, at some point encounters the old my gift is better than your gift, distraction. Perhaps I could even, even say the old, my gift is better than your gift, trap. The beloved, it was very important for them of ancient Corinth, and it's very important for you right now, whoever you are, whether you're here eyeball to eyeball or you're following me uh, through live stream, it's very, very important for us to know and acknowledge, and I'm headed to number one on your study notes, very important to know that every individual person, every individual member, every individual part of the body of Christ is significant. Let me see your eyeballs just a sec. If you've been born again, spirit-filled, you're a part of the body of Christ, you are significant. You may not feel significant. Watch this. I don't care so much about your feelings, but I'm here to tell you, you are significant, even equally significant. Turn with me to, a, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and go down to verse number 12. Look what it says. There's an illustration that begins there, and it, it goes this way. The body, Paul is talking about the physical body. How many of you here in this room this morning have a physical body? Say amen. Yeah, you do. He's talking about the physical body, and he says the body is a unit. 
though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Listen to the message, the paraphrase, modern paraphrase, the way it puts it. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. I love this. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. Aren't you thankful for that? It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. And the latter part of verse 12 says this, so it is with Christ. Paul saying, I have offered up this example of the body, but the body of Christ mimics or reflects this. In fact, when you see Christ here, you can think church. So it is with Christ. So it is with the ecclesia, the church, the body of Christ. Now, if I might offer this illustration for us, during these modern times, a modern day sports team may help us see a little bit better what's going on or to understand this whole body of Christ deal a little bit better. Now, I had really hoped, where'd Lindsay go? Where are you? I had really hoped that Catfish could be here with us this morning, but uh, he's probably in a hotel somewhere listening by live stream. Can I get an amen right there? Yeah, Jacob. But then he, Jacob's quite a baseball pitcher, by the way. But uh, though the, the pitcher in a, or on a baseball team certainly isn't the team in its entirety, he or she would certainly be part of the team. Are you with me? Does that make sense? The pitcher is part of the team. Any pitcher worth their salt would have to know just in case some batter by some fluke gets a hit off of them, it's pert near imperative to have some other positions occupied out on the field. Why? Watch this. No matter how good the pitcher is, the pitcher cannot, everybody say cannot, the pitcher cannot cover it all by himself. He pitches, he's in that prone position, the ball's hit to right field, what's he going to do? Say he could run out there and get it, then what's he going to do, throw it to himself at home? You get that graphic image. The pitcher can't cover it alone. I told you that to tell you this, the obvious parallel for those who are thinking is this, and I'm headed to number two on your study notes. And by the way, this may sound somewhat trivial. It is not. This is huge, and it's very important that you catch this. No one person, not any person, can cover all the many responsibilities presented from within the church. Let me give you a real quick example. The simple call that we have received to go into all the world, the whole world, watch this, even the call to go into our own neighborhood is a task calling for many diverse workers who are gifted in many diverse ways to go in unison, many going together in unison. Now watch this, this is a little parenthesis. Many people are convinced that the pastor shows up on Sunday morning with his key and unlocks the front door and voila, bada boom, bada bing, we have church. 
People just show up, sit on the seat, the pastors unlock the door, and we have church. Listen, I'm telling you, it's not that way. Sometimes somebody beats me to the door locking, unlocking thing even here. But I, without going into a lot of detail, beloved, I want you to know that it takes a huge, everybody say huge, it takes a huge volunteer force of spirit-led persons to make this happen. And I'm not just talking about the tech crew. There are a lot of people that put a lot of work into this worship celebration to say nothing of some of the bigger ministry events that we do here. By the way, this would be a great time for me to ask you, are you just occupying one of those cushion chairs or are you part of the solution? Are you part of the team? Have you discovered your spiritual gifts and working together in unison to go forward to take the gospel to the world. Don't answer me right now. So, you can draw a line right there. That's kind of the back story. Kind of gives you some context to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So, Pastor, what's the problem? What was the distraction? You said every generation encounters some distraction. What was the distraction? This background begins to help us recognize an age-old problem, and I'm going to teach it to you like this. How many of you know, whether it's a baseball team or a civic group or the church, and in some cases, even our extended family, it's not unusual for a tension to ramp up from within those relationships. Pastor Terry, what are you talking about? Attention. Attention that comes. A, I'm not saying attention, I'm saying attention. Are you with me? Attention that comes from a person or perhaps even persons that think a little too much of themselves, a little too much of their opinion a little too much of their desires and even a little too much of their position and far too little with regards to the big picture. I'm talking about the body of Christ and the, the body's calling and the body's mission. The same Paul that wrote to the Corinthians wrote to a different fellowship, the Romans, and he emphasized this universal truth. I'm in Romans chapter 12. We've just left 1 Corinthians and went back to Romans. Are you with me? Here's what it says. If you don't have your Bible, it will magically appear on the screen. Verse 3 of chapter 12, Paul says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Watch this, church. We are to think of ourselves highly because we're highly favored but he says that we shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment with gravity in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you if you understand the context of that passage you know that he is talking about spiritual gifts so he's saying you need to think about yourself in amongst the whole that makes sense to you so far how many of you are really here can I see your hand how many of you are about half backslidden can I see your I'm kidding just one 
A couple of honest folks here. Number three on your study notes. Here's the natural tendency. And I want to remind you that we are not to live natural. We are to live in the supernatural. The natural tendency is for each gift, each spiritual gift, to think that their gift, their particular spiritual gift, uh, they think of it as the gift, the gift, instead of one functioning part among the many. Go back with me to Romans chapter 12, look at verse 4. Just as each of us has one body, talking about the physical body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. How many of you know the big toe doesn't do what the ear does? How many of you know that the ear doesn't do what the gizzard does? If we have a gizzard, I think Granny Clampett had one, I'm not sure. These members do not all have the same function. Verse 5, so in Christ, and when we, when we see Christ, what are we thinking? Somebody say church. When in Christ, in the church, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Wow, I belong to you and you belong to me and we all belong to Jesus, those who are in the church. So with that context, is it any wonder that we have 1 Corinthians Chapter 13. What do you mean by that, Pastor Terry? Check it out, New Life. You can believe this. You can believe when God created man and woman with the free will to choose, he had to know, it had to be uppermost in his mind that people do people things. How many of you know it doesn't catch God off guard when one of you does a people thing? God knows that. I'm not telling you that we condone such nonsense, but people do people things. And for that reason, God knew that people would certainly need to develop, watch this, their love grace. Since people do people things, we're going to have to develop our love grace. How many of you know I might do a people thing sometime today and you're going to have to love me? Sometime this week, one of you will do a people thing and I will need to love you. Hmm? Love grace. Now, let me take you back to chapter 13. Paul begins here by listing a few of the spiritual gifts. Now, he started that conversation in chapter 12. He uh, reconvenes that conversation in chapter 14. But here in chapter 13, he begins by listing a few of the spiritual gifts. He mentions tongues, which seemingly in every generation, that's a hot-button topic. All denominations kind of have their thing about tongues. He mentions prophecy. He mentions discernment. He mentions knowledge. You have, to, you have to cipher this a little bit, but he mentions faith. He also mentions benevolence or giving. He even mentions martyrdom in these first few verses. Martyrdom, the gift that you use only once. You hope. You will note these gifts are pretty much up front and out front gifts. You understand what I'm saying? 
They're upfront, they're visible gifts, they're outfront gifts, recognizable, upleading leadership gifts in many respects. Watch this. Upfront, outfront gifts have to guard against something. And that which they have to guard against is the tendency to feel, hey, y'all, look at what I'm doing. How many of you know that when the pastor stands up in front of the congregation on Sunday morning, he at least has to wrestle a little bit with this tendency? Hey, y'all, look at what I'm doing. And these other gifts that's mentioned here, it's the same. I have these gifts. I have these abilities. I must really be the head hog at the trough. Let me tell you what that is. When it goes beyond the tendency and people begin to think that and begin to think more highly of themselves than they ought, what that is is, watch this, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Self-focus. Number four on your notes. self Centeredness is not great commandment based. What do you mean great commandment? Mark chapter 12, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's the great commandment. Self-centeredness is not great commandment based. It is rather focused on the wrong, watch this, little g, God. It's focused on the wrong God. Did you know that self can be a little G God? Oh, pastor, no way. How many of you know that there are a lot of people that worship self? So I'm telling you the truth. Self can be a little G God. Self is a very inferior little G God. Isn't that true? Have you ever considered that effectively the little G God of you can't even save you? As awesome as you might be, you can't save yourself. To say nothing of others, the little G God of you certainly cannot save others personally individually, our pursuit, my pursuit, and your pursuit must be something outside ourselves. If I can't save myself and I can't save others, our our pursuit needs to be on something else, and that something else, beloved, is the God. Make no mistakes, I'm talking about the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the sovereign God of all creation. That's where our focus and our pursuit needs to be. In order to help ourselves, in order to help others, our encouragement to them must be something outside ourselves and themselves. Again, the God and his kingdom plan. How y'all doing with that? Our text passage is a brilliant challenge. I want to say a brilliant impetus to help keep us focused 
on the right, capital G, God and his plan. Let me show you. You'll have to pay attention. Don't nod off right here. If you were nodding off, wake up. You'll need to pay attention. You'll get lost right here. The very foundation of our Christ walk. I'm not saying the very foundation of our salvation. The very foundation of our practical everyday walking around Christ walk. The very foundation is expressed and emphasized here in our text passage. And it's all wrapped up in that little four-letter word. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there, and let me do so by saying this. Are you experiencing the, uh, the overflow, the abundant, abounding love of God in your life? Hey, if you are born again, spirit-filled, you are. God comes to us by His Holy Spirit, day in and day out, moment by moment, pouring Himself into us. Now, doesn't it just make sense that if the great God, the sovereign God of creation is pouring Himself into us, then it has to go somewhere. It has to overflow at some point in time and spill over into the lives of other people. So that's my prayer for myself and my prayer for you. Not only that we'd be in receipt of the love of God like a reservoir and we just keep getting fatter in the things of God, but that we would overflow, that we would allow the love of God, the Word of God, the whole plan of God to overflow into the lives of others. Let me tell you what that will look like. That will mean that those who claim to be a part of the forever family of God will discover their spiritual gifting and work in connection with, in concert with, the other members of the body of Christ to uh, promote God's purpose and plan, God's kingdom-building plan. God's plan is this. It's not His will that any perish. Whoever you are listening to me right now, it is not God's desire and purpose and plan and will for you to spend eternity separated from Him, but rather that you spend eternity with Him. That happens only one way. Oh, here you go, preacher, one of these one-way guys. Yeah, it's the Bible way, which is God's way. The Bible is God's Word, and He tells us how that we can discover Him, His purpose, and His plan, and it's through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you as I go off and I'm about out of time. Do you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus? If you have yet to purpose that in your own life, I want to be an encouragement to you right now to stop and pray and uh, commit or confess your sins before the Lord. Repent of those sins and open up your heart's door and ask Jesus to come in to be the Lord of your life and to begin to fill you and overflow you with the things of God. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray for that one in particular that may have invited you to come into their heart, to be their Lord, to be their Savior, to fill them with your love, your gifts, your purpose, your plan for their life. Guide and direct, direct them in the days to come. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you made a decision or if you have some questions about what we've discussed on the program this evening, I pray and ask that you would just inquire of us, ask of us. There's some contact information there on the screen. Ask your questions. We'll try our best to get back with you and help you find a suitable solution and answer 
to the problems, the issues that you might have. I've got to get out of here. I'm Terry Knight, and my time is just completely gone. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm-hmm.